Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in. You may have noticed that we changed the name of the podcast. This used to be Your Money with Deway Capital. After several months getting this thing off the ground, we took the feedback from our audience and as well as thought about what our goal and mission is for the podcast. We decided to change the name to Invest Smarter and become more focused on providing true value and insight and hope to leave you a smarter investor after every episode. You'll be hearing more from guests, and we'll be more focused on specific topics to help you own your future. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll enjoy. Welcome to the Invest Smarter Podcast, where we'll simplify investing and provide actionable ideas to help you navigate the markets and own your future. From retirement planning strategies in plain English to timeless investing wisdom, we'll cut through the noise and leave you a smarter investor by the end of every show. All content within the podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decision making. With the market having hit several new highs this year already, um, we think a lot of people might be wondering if it's a good time to invest or not, given that the market's at all-time highs and it might be somewhat against, uh, might feel against common sense to invest right now. So. What I would say and what I think we would say is that just thinking about whether or not to invest in the market is at highs kind of means that you are engaging in market timing, thinking about when is the best time. And we know that throughout history that humans are simply not good and have not been good at timing markets. Um, Markets are very complex. Uh, There's so many different variables. Every transaction has a seller and buyer, and both are humans or algorithms that are designed by humans, but humans are in control and humans are emotional and vulnerable to irrational decision-making. So with that said, the average equity fund investor, according to Dalbar, underperformed the S&P 500 by 1.31% in 2020. And this is actually really good performance relative to what Dalbar Dalbar normally um, gets from their study, where it's normally like two or three percent. But what makes up the difference? It's usually emotions and attempting to time the market. Consider these scenarios ranging from 1926 to 2000, where each investor begins with $1,000. The first investor, investor A, cannot tolerate any risk, so he buys treasury bills. At the end of this period, he has $16,644. Sounds like a, it's a return from a thousand. Yes. Over a yes. Long of time. Um, the second investor, investor B, has a long time horizon. She likes risk and she's been told just buy and hold. That's the way to go. So she does that, puts it in the S&P 500 and her end result is $2.5 million. The third investor, thinks he's all that and smart and he wants to try and time the market and do some trading. So the end result for this, this investor is that he actually ended up not being in the market at all for the 40 best months over this time period. That's 40 months out of 900 months. And what does he end up with? $15,000. So he after all of the stress and anxiety of trying to time the market, um, probably gave himself a lot more gray hair than he wanted, ends up with less than the guy who just bought with no risk, treasury bonds. Yes. So 
that's obviously an extreme example. Uh, it's unlikely that if you're trying to tie the market, you would miss over that period of time. You'd actually miss the, 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 you know, the 40 worst months, but it just goes to show that doing stuff, doing more is not always the best approach or rarely is the best approach, or I would say is not, not a good approach at all. Yes. So with that said, if you're thinking about investing now, you've got a lot of money and you want to invest and you have cash and you don't know what to do, I would say what you should definitely not do is wait for a correction before you make any moves. I know there's a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people that think this way, that think this is the best way to go. The market's really hot, wait for it to cool down. Um, so here's another example I wanted to bring to light. Let's say there was an investor who caught wind of the COVID crash or COVID and he really felt like it was going to create a lot of volatility. So he decided to sell before any of this stuff happened. He sold at the absolute high before the COVID crash. Um, he thinks he's really smart. He actually, I guess he was smart for a little bit. Um, the crash happened really fast and we recovered so fast. And when it was recovering really fast, he felt to himself, this is happening way too fast. I know I need to get in back in the market, but let me just wait for a 10% correction. I'm, I'm sure a 10% correction will happen. Well, guess what? This investor is still not in the market and the market is 26% higher than when he smartly, in quotes, sold. And it almost corrected. I had to make sure I was right. It, it almost corrected 10%, not quite. It didn't hit 10%, but right. he's he has now... The market went up 26% from when he sold. from, And so he's missed out on one of the most remarkable bull runs in history. Um, and so what's he going to do now? Is he going to keep waiting for a 10% correction? Um, by the time there's a 10% correction from this level, it's still not to where it was before. So it just goes to show you that even when you did a move that felt smart in the short term, unless you really know how to get back in, and know, and you were able to buy when it's everyone else is selling, which is really hard to do. Yes. It's hard to buy when everyone else is selling. It's hard to buy when everyone is fearful. Um, so it just is another sort of point that doing nothing and just buying and holding and sticking to your plan is the way to go. Uh, I saw research from JP Morgan that actually shows that investing at all time highs produces higher average returns over the next one, three, and five years as compared to investing on any random day. And I will post that chart in the show notes. Um, so investing is not about timing the market, but rather time in the market. And your decision, decisions ought to be based on your time horizon and not short-term fluctuations in the market. So with that, what I'm saying is if you have 30 years, the time, your timing, it does not that important. Right. If you have five years, then you should be making sure that what you're buying is appropriate for your time horizon. So you wouldn't buy just stop pure stocks if you had only five years, because over five years, no one knows what's going to happen. So I, I think let's back up that notion with like a sports analogy. So if you look at the, the U S stock market, like an at bat in baseball, right? As we all know, and a batting average is the percentage of time you hit the ball and reach base. So if you look at it from a betting average perspective on the stock market, it can be viewed as how often you earn um, a monetary gain. Um, and let's call it every calendar year, right? To make it simplest, simplistic. Um, so if you look at the last 93 years or so, uh, I was looking at some data the other day, 
Um, stocks have made gains 66% of the time on a calendar year basis. So over 93 years, two thirds of the time, the market makes makes money um, when you come to settle the chips at the end of the year. In the years that stocks have reported an increase or a gain, 87% of those times, the historical return was greater than 5%, right? So what does that mean, right? So the broad equity market in the US tends to move higher over a long period of time, but also at a generally you know, reasonable rate of return when you compare it to call it the generally accepted required rates of, of withdrawal, right? Either three, four or 5%, depending upon when you retire. So you're kind of, you're getting this adequate return over a long period of time um, where the odds are completely in favor that the trend will continue uh, on an upward basis over, over a long period of time. Yeah, and research from BlackRock, this is right along with what you're saying. Um, it shows that the longer you're in the market, the the chances of you losing money decreases significantly. And it's fascinating. Like you said, on average, it's two-thirds of the time on any given year, market is higher. Well, even if you only wanted, if you wanted to do a pure gamble, even if you just wanted to invest for one month, there's a 62% chance of a positive return. So that's better than than betting yes. uh, black or red and roulette. So, but the point here is that if you're in the market for 15 years, you have a 99.8% chance of having a positive return, which is essentially a hundred percent chance. So with all of this said, I still think there's the emotional pool of feeling like it's the wrong thing to do is still really, really strong. So it's hard to, it's hard to combat that. Even, even when you're faced with all of this data that shows that it's the wrong thing to do, we're still humans and, and we have emotions. And even though we know that it can still be extremely, extremely challenging. I know this from ex personally from experience, you know, I've, I've certainly in my previous days of trying to do all this timing stuff, I've learned lots of lessons. Um, so what are some things that investors can do to combat this? Uh, yeah. So, um, so one would be dollar cost averaging. So the notion behind that is, um, on a fairly, you know, consistent basis, you're, you're allocating more capital towards, um, towards your investment accounts. Um, typically people do this on a monthly or quarterly basis. Um, take an example, like a 401k. So as um, you earn your monthly or biweekly uh, paycheck, um, a portion of that capital goes into your basket of, of investments uh, with your 401k. So along the path of, of, um, of employment, you're continually you know, allocating capital to the market, whether it's trending up or trending down. So you get this kind of the effect of, of buying at lower lows and then allocating to higher highs. So over a long period of time, it tends to kind of smooth itself out. So, so there, the discipline is you just keep doing it, right? And so there is no guesswork. Um, and over a long period of time, you know, you're accumulating more shares, whether the higher or lower, um, and it tends to mitigate a bit of that volatility and also the emotional aspect of it. Yes, for sure. Um, oh. you know, just one other point, you know, that kind of goes with that, um, is, um, say for instance, um, you're not setting aside a certain amount of money over a period of time in, in accumulating wealth, but say you come into a situation where 
um, you've inherited something, inherited wealth, or you've had a liquidity event with a business. Yeah. So let's let's just say, for example, it's you have five hundred thousand dollars and you need right. to invest it. You know yes. you need to invest it, but the market's yes. hitting all time highs. So yes. what's what's an option? Yes. That we've so, seen be successful. Yes. So I I think. Um, kind of a derivative of the dollar cost, right? I, I look at dollar cost as like, you're going to keep funding this account or these accounts in perpetuity. So if if you were to look at say a large sum of capital coming in where you have to now deploy it, um, if, if you still were uncomfortable with where things were at um, and you can't get yourself to, to, to you know, blindly invest in, in your investment, account or, you know, through funds, I would say the second best thing to do there uh, would be to do it in piecemeal or what we call tranches. So call it set up a discipline where you're going to say, you know what, I want to fully invest, but I'm going to give myself six months to do so. Right. And so every month you systematically, you take the amount of capital you have, I could even do it if you if you retire, you roll over a 401k to a, um, to a rollover IRA, right? So now you have to now deploy that into new funds. You could you could do that if you weren't willing to do that all in one shot. You could do that over several quarters, several months, but map it out, have a discipline where, you know, the first, the last of the month or the quarter, you're systematically allocating to those funds. So that way, it's not like the uh, the dollar cost averaging in perpetuity where you keep continuing there's a finite amount you have to allocate and then you're kind of done with it more or less. Right. So, um, so that's just right. kind of and a derivative I, of the dollar cost. Yeah. And I think that can be very helpful on the peace of mind because um, if you do nothing, right, you're waiting for the pullback Yes. and the market goes higher, you get the, the very overwhelming feeling. We've all probably all felt it at one point or another of fear of missing out where yes. then you might be tempted to start chasing and then you're going against your original plan and then you just are on a, you're on a mess and you don't really, you really, you know, then, then if you go in after the market's gone up because you're out of fear of missing out and then the market goes down, you're going to be feeling like you made a mistake and you're going to probably make some yeah, decisions this, you may end up regretting. It's this term like entry point risk or like entry point risk goes both ways, right? So if you're entering into a period of time where then it tends to go the other way, you know, the risk is that it goes down or the risk is if yeah. you don't allocate enough, it goes up too much. Right. So you're just trying to say, how do I, how do I mitigate that risk the best I can without yeah. having to make a call as to when to invest? Yeah. So, and so, so by, that, so by tranching, you put your first, um, you know, your first chunk in yes. and the market goes higher. You're not having the fear of missing out to the same magnitude because you're participating. That's right. If the market goes down after you put your first, your first chunk in, then you're, you're buying more shares at a cheaper I'm happy, price. So. Right. I'm happy I didn't yes. go all in. I'm yes. looking, I'm, I'm going to be able to get some more at a cheaper price. I think the most important thing is to just stick to the plan and just really be wary and remember the facts, remember the long term plan, and remember to stick to your plan. Yes. Um, and on all these examples we've been talking about, we've been using the SP 500 because it makes analysis simple. Everyone knows what that is. But it's not necessarily what you, you know, that's not what we're saying you should, you should buy if you're taking the, the trench advice, for instance. Um, it's really important to diversify as well. Um, so you diversify across different size of stocks. S&P 500 is large cap. You can, you should diversify across mid cap, small cap. 
um, value. Um, there's international fixed income, real estate, even outside of tradable securities. Um, there's you should diversify across all sorts of different asset classes. And because in one reason is that it really is important is because while everyone is saying how U.S. stocks seem so expensive, well, international stocks on apples to apples um, comparison, like on a PE comparison, are trading at far more, still higher than their long-term historical average, but far more modestly than U.S. stocks. So you're getting diverse, diversification across different levels of valuation as well as different geography. Yes, I, I think um, the, the methodology we've laid out is how how you would approach investing or allocating, right? Which is which is either you know dollar cost or put it in pieces or tranches, whatever you're going to call it. And then you know once you're ready to deploy it, you know a very sensible approach is to deploy it in a diversified manner. That way, you're not taking a specific directional call on large cap U.S. or small cap international or emerging or treasuries or whatever, you know, you know, broad basket, diversified portfolio, um, allocated, uh, over time, um, you know, would be a very sensible approach, um, you know, to mitigating a lot of these fears or, you know, um, calls for anxiety. Yeah, for sure. And I would also, I would also like to point out that, uh, even if you have a really long-term time horizon and, and the technical answer that is that you should be in mostly equities where it's more volatile, but you know you're going to get that long-term growth. If you are honest with yourself and say the volatility is still not for me, then don't force yourself into what is the technically correct answer all the time. If you're going to be in a situation where the volatility pulls you to watching too much, wanting to make decisions, creating stress in your life, don't, don't do that. Go with the, the allocation that, and it would be best to definitely consult with someone, a professional to uh, help you with through this, but go with what will enable you to have peace of mind throughout the journey, because there's just no point in giving yourself the added stress and anxiety of volatility if it's not for you. Yes. I, I, yeah, the great part about investing is that there are so many different flavors to investing asset classes and styles and geographies that you can really build something that fits your temperament. Right. And I think that's kind of what you're saying that you're alluding to is, is you have to find an allocation that's going to allow you to hit your, your goals. Um, but also you can do it in such a way because of the options you have, and there've never been more options in, 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 you know, modern history for sure. I mean, you know, the history of the market, I would say, um, to invest, you can do it in a way where, um, you know, it fits your temperament. Yeah, no doubt. All right. We do hope that uh, this was helpful and we hope you enjoy the new focus of our podcast. And um, we look forward to talking to you again. Email us at investsmarterpod at gmail.com with questions to be highlighted on the show. Thanks for listening and keep investing smarter.